It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Welcome to a Monday edition of Daily Thunder. We've been going through a series on faith over the past, uh, this is the fourth straight Monday, and I would like to emphasize what I've emphasized the last three, that this is biblical faith. There's sort of a redefinition of faith that is attempted to make its way into the Christian world over the past few decades. And I think it's worth fighting for. Uh, In fact, uh, I'm convinced it's worth fighting for. The idea of faith is so central to the mechanics of working Christianity. So that's what this series has been about. It's just sort of unpacking the ideas of a functional working faith that truly brings about a victory and a triumph in the Christian life. Uh, the, The series title is Deciding Between the Two. And this is part four, uh, known as the growl of faith. Don't you like that? I love the term growl. So much of Christianity is found uh, in the effective use of the growl. I know that sounds strange to those of you that have never heard that term used with Christianity before, but there's a doggedness that is needed, uh, a drive, a hardiness of soul that is needed in order to win this battle. You cannot be passive. You cannot be easy prey. You must be a fighter. You must have a growl. And so faith needs a growl. And so as we enter into this uh, fourth part, I'm just going to ask God to lead us and just to govern our thinking, our ability to respond. I'm going to ask for that in prayer. Father, lead us in this. I just pray that the Holy Spirit would govern and guide and superintend our understanding, this idea of faith, very specifically as we unpack doubt today. Lord, that we would understand how to stand firm in our believing of your word and your truth. Amen. So the spiritual growl, uh, that's what's on the screen if you're getting this via video, and the subtitle is Don't Live Your Christian Life Without It. So it's it's somewhat of a famed story in my life, uh, one of those highlight moments. You know, we all have them in our life. We can point to key spiritual markers. Uh, I was a strong Christian at the time, and I was aggressively pursuing Jesus Christ. Uh, Leslie and I had been married Oh, I don't know what it was. Well, let's go back maybe close to 15 years ago. Uh, and uh, we were in a, a season of very heightened prayer. In fact, if you've ever seen our book, Wrestling Prayer, it flowed out of this season where we were averaging around three hours of prayer every day for over a year. Very, very intensified season uh, for us. Beautiful season. And I remember we were in our, uh, we called it our studio. It's where we did our recording uh, projects for music, but we also did our book writing. And so we were up there praying, which is usually where we would pray. We called it our upper room as well as over our garage. And uh, I was pacing, I'm a pacer. And so I'm pacing around and suddenly Leslie, I had my eyes closed and Leslie comes up and sticks her hand on my shoulder. And it sort of startles me a little and she was praying. In fact, she prayed a very specific prayer. Lord, make my man to pray like a man. I don't know. If you're a guy, you, you, I don't know if you would be offended by that. Like I was trying not to be offended by that. But what does she think I pray pray like? You know, there's not, not many options, right? Uh, and so, but I had chose to agree with the prayer. And it turned out to be such a defining moment in my life. In the next, and I don't know how long it was, but I, let's say 30 seconds, something welled up within me. I've oftentimes likened it to a lava pool of fervor and passion. 
but one of the best ways to describe it is a growl. And out of me flowed a prayer that was so strong and so manly. And so that's what I've always referenced too. And if, if you, any of you have heard me speak for the last 20 years, you would notice a distinct shift in my vocal emphasis in the way I speak right at that juncture. That was a change point in my life. I didn't grow up hearing preachers, for instance. Preaching just sounded weird. And I, all I knew was preachy and you don't want to be preachy. And so uh, as a result, I didn't understand what was happening inside of me. No one had ever described it to me and I hadn't been around it in my life. I was around good biblical teachers, but not preachers. But I started preaching, if you want to say it that way. I, I don't I don't call what I do preaching. I, I sort of look at it as a hybrid between teaching and preaching, but it was fervent. It had a volcanic type of push behind it. And it all started there. And what I'd say is it wasn't just for my speaking. It wasn't just for my praying. It was for my living, too, that there was a fire, there was a fight, there was a drive, there was a no in my soul towards the enemy. It's like, no, you will not get away with it. No, I'm not going in that direction. Very, very significant. And so what you see is me starting this message out by saying, hey, if you need that, even if you didn't even know it existed, pray for it, ask for it, ask for the growl. And if you have a wife, you could always have her lay her hand on your shoulder and say, Lord, make my man pray like a man. Maybe that'll work for you, too. So I wanted to just emphasize the idea of doubt, which seems like a contradistinction to the idea of faith. In other words, it's that which undermines the clarity of faith. And to doubt is to move in the opposite direction that faith moves us. So it is a counter type of work to it. So this screen, if you're seeing the video, says putting doubt in its place. So on the screen, I have uh, the same stick figure guy I've had in all of the previous three sessions. And a uh, nice looking guy. It's sort of symbolic of you and me. And uh, for the girls, you're sort of wondering what happened to your hair. It's just one of those stick figures with a bald head. So sorry, all you ladies that are trying to identify with my stick figure. But if you're getting this via podcast, this is very confusing, isn't it? And so on the right side of the screen, I have a tree. And on the left side, I have a tree. And this is symbolic of the Garden of Eden. But it's also symbolic of the way we are right now. We're deciding between the two. And this is what we always are going through in Christianity. We need to decide between the two kingdoms, between the two ideas that are being presented to us. You have God's idea and you have the devil's idea. You have God's idea and you have the world's idea. You see, the world and the devil are closely uh, aligned with each other, and they're both standing against the truth, which is God's idea. And so as a result, you see this in how faith functions, and you see this in how doubt functions. And so on the right side of the screen, you have a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's sort of symbolic, at least. It has black fruit. It looks terrible. Uh, it looks very very yucky. And then on the, on the left side, you have the tree of life, which in the previous sessions in this series, I've likened to the cross, that the cross is actually one of the greatest symbols of the tree of life. And so the tree on the right, the, you know, the bad tree, uh, boo, uh, if you eat of that fruit, you die. And that's called the law of sin and death. It's the first law given, uh, the first command given in scripture. And then you're also going to see on the left, uh, the tree of life, but the cross. Think about what Jesus says. Unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you can have no part in me, no life in you. And so what we see is, unless you eat, you cannot live. And so on both sides, you have something you need to decide between. And so doubt is the idea of putting up a wall and actually questioning uh, something. And so in this, what we want to do is question 
the word of the devil. And so most of us have been using our doubt incorrectly. We doubt what God has to say. But what we need to do is wield our doubt to doubt what the enemy has to say. And that's actually part of the function of faith. Isn't that interesting that part of the function of faith includes doubt, but not doubt in God's word, not doubt in God's ability, but the doubt in what the enemy is saying to us? Because he's always whispering. I don't don't know what uh, is going on in your life. I can only hazard a guess. But the devil is a talker. And he's always telling us, you know, how you can't trust God. I mean, are you sure you want to do this? I mean, what if God doesn't come through for you? He's constantly niggling. You need to doubt what he is saying. So this wall of doubt that we build and we we stand on the word of God. That's what's on the left side of the screen under the tree of life, the word of God. And on the right side is all that is contrary to the word of God. And I have a big stinky pile of bad fruit there. And you are doubting all that is contrary to the word of God. Look at this stick figure. If you could see this via video, I mean, I highly encourage it. Uh, this guy is standing resolute. And that's the growl of faith. That's, that's what we all need. We stand with the tree of life. We stand with that cross. We stand with the word of God. We stand with what God has said. And that's you know easier said than done. It's easy to agree with that in church. It's not as easy to agree with that when you walk into society because that, that society seems hell-bent on trying to get you off that narrow path to question God's clear word, which is why you must have a growl, why you must fight for this truth in your soul. You cannot be wishy-washy. Wishy-washy doesn't fit in the kingdom of heaven. So on the screen, ready for the test, eager for the fire. For real faith doesn't stagger at the seeming impossibilities. So there's something that I want to prepare you for. When you step out to believe God and have faith in his word, there is going to be a counter work against that. And you could call it fire. It's a testing. So a fiery trial is one of the ways that is described in scripture. It's a, uh, it is a test of your faith. For faith to be proven true, for it to be proven real, it needs to go through that fire. So this isn't a bad thing, even though it's oftentimes sponsored by the devil who wants to create doubt, who wants to create discouragement in what we believe. God leverages even what the enemy means for evil and turns it into good. This is just the way his kingdom works. So when your faith is tested, your job is to rise up and believe all the more, to doubt the enemy's word and to believe all the, the stronger. And that's actually what proves true faith. That's what it's defined as in scripture. So a great illustration of this is the motto of the Chinese underground church. I love this. It is so good. And so if you read Chinese, I don't know if that's Mandarin or not. Obviously, I don't read it. Uh, but you can read the top line. If, the, if you see, if you're getting this via podcast, you're missing some really good stuff. I got some Chinese letters up on my uh, screen here. And so then I have a, a transliteration, which doesn't really help if you were to look at the second one. So I even did it so that I could pronounce it. And here it is. Jin Jin Bu Pao Hu Lin. Now, if you speak Chinese, I, I'm sure I butchered that. If you did, if you don't speak Chinese, I'm sure you were very impressed with that. I mean, Eric speaking Chinese on his podcast. I mean, how cool is that? I'm going to do it again just so you can you can tell your relatives that Eric Ludi, you know, he speaks a little Chinese. Jin Jin Pu Pao. Oops, that wasn't very good. Let me try that again. Jin Jin Pu Pao Hu Lin. See, isn't that impressive? Now, what's impressive is not Eric's Chinese. What's impressive is what it means. So this is what the Chinese underground church says to one another. Real gold fears no fire. I'm going to say it again, guys. This is good. Real gold fears no fire. Well, 
you see, many of us do fear fire. We fear trial. We fear testing. Why? Because we fear it's going to expose us as straw instead of as real gold. You see, precious jewels don't fear fire. They actually are purified in and through it. Gold especially, it raises dross and just gets rid of it. It becomes more valuable with the fire. Real faith needs that fire. And so what we want as Christians is we want these tests and these proving grounds for our faith so that we can actually grow in faith. You know what ends up growing our faith? Think about this. It's seeing God prove faithful. When you see God faithful, it grows your faith. What circumstances do you usually need in order to see God faithful? You need trials. You need tests of faith where you have to actually believe you can't see how it's going to turn out, but you know what God's word says and you hold on. And as a result, you see God prove faithful, which then grows your faith. So you want to grow up in faith? Well, you need those trials. You need the fiery trials. So trial by fire, not really the term we want to focus on in Christianity. And most North Americans veer away from this like it's a plague. When in actuality, it's the historic pattern of those that are believers. So let's go through some of that. I have a whole list here. Noah tested by a cloudless sky for decades. Noah was given a very specific architectural design for a boat. And yet many people that have studied, you know, ancient uh, culture and climate and the different things that the flood brought about actually believe that it may not have even rained back then, but that it was actually that the, the ground was watered through springs in the earth. So I don't know. I can't necessarily prove that one way or the other, but could you imagine if it didn't even rain and Moses is like building on the top of a hill, a boat? I mean, that is one of the most absurd things ever. And yet he is tested in this. Noah, do you believe me? Do you believe my word? Do you trust me? Constantly, he had to go the distance. That's a trial by fire. Number two, Abraham tested by, the, by both the sheer impossibility of the promise and the interminable passage of time. So at multiple levels, Abraham is tested. But how about this one? Uh, that you are going to uh, have children that are like the sands of the seashore and the stars in the heavens. And yet... It's impossible. He's an old man. I mean, Sarah's past her days of childbearing. It's, it, she's barren. There's no possible way that that could even happen. And yet he is called to be a believer, to trust that what God has said, God will actually do. So as I share these stories with you, I want you to stick yourself in between those two trees. You have the voice of the enemy saying, that's impossible. And you have the voice of God saying, but I said it to you. Do you believe me? You see, when God speaks, he cannot lie. So when he gives us his word, we can bank on it. We can build our eternity upon it. And that's, of course, what faith is. Number three, Jacob tested by the long, dark night. You see, he knows, he's convinced that God has something for him. Now, I don't know if you guys remember that story of Jacob wrestling through the night. He's at a place called Peniel, which means the place of God or the face of God. And he is going to hold on to God and not let go. What's he after? He's after what God alone has. You need to hold on to God the same way. You see, this is a trial of faith, but the night just goes on forever. It's like one of those nights of camping in a tent where, you know, there's a little rock underneath your hip and you're just like, boy, this is uncomfortable. The night never seems to end. That's the same way it can be for us spiritually, where we have to hold on until the breaking of day. Hold on. It's a trial by fire. But do you believe that God has that which you need? If you do, then don't let go because there's nowhere else you can get it. Number four, Caleb tested by the 31 hostile giant empires. 
Remember, uh, Joshua and Caleb both believed that God could take this territory known as the land of promise. Remember, the 12 tribes go in and only two of the uh, spies that represented the 12 tribes are going to actually come back with a report that is positive. Oh, we could take them. Are there giants in the land? Sure. Uh, are there uh, walls, uh, walled cities that reach up to the heavens? Yeah, sure. But God's greater. In other words, when you face those 31 hostile empires, 31, that's a lot of empires. And they're just situated right smack in the middle of the land of promise. When you face those, what do you do? Does your heart melt like the 10 spies? Or does your heart grow stronger in faith and say, but my God is greater. See, this is called a trial by fire. Number five, David tested by the lion, the bear, and the 12 and a half foot tall man beast known as Goliath. That's a trial by fire. He was tried by the lion. And he was tried by the bear. Well, David had even more trials than that. He was the greatest warrior in the kingdom, and yet he was kept back from the battle, and he was needed to tend the sheep when his brothers go off and fight in the war. Who was he? He was the king of Israel. He was anointed king at that time, and even his dad must not have thought very highly of him. Trial of by fire. And yet David was being prepared to showcase the grandeur of God's glory to the nations. Each of us is prepared like a David. We have a higher calling than where we're at now, but God is situating us and inuring us and preparing us for that which is ahead. It's the trial by fire that actually builds our faith and builds us for the battle against Goliath. Number six, Mary and Martha tested by Lazarus' four days in the tomb. Jesus says to Mary and Martha, the sickness of Lazarus will not end in death. And then he leaves down and Lazarus dies. Well, that's a little awkward. And then four days passes. Lazarus is wrapped in grave claws in a grave with a stone rolled in front of it. Do you still believe the word of God even in that situation? This is a trial by fire. What should Mary and Martha have done in this situation? They should believe. Jesus spoke and said, this sickness will not end in death. Well, but he's dead. Yeah, but this will not end in death. Do you believe it? Which tree do you turn to in a situation like that? These are challenging situations. But this trial by fire actually is a gift, and it proves faith. Number seven, the disciples tested by the boat filling up with water. These guys were used to being on the, on the water, and yet it says their lives were in jeopardy. They were scared. And so when you, you know it's bad when fishermen are scared. And what's Jesus doing? Sleeping. That is one of the strangest stories, isn't it? And yet in your life, your boat may be filling up with water. And are you in panic mode or are you in faith mode? Because Jesus is in the boat with you. And you can say, yeah, but he's sleeping. But he's in the boat with you. The creator of the heavens and the earth, the one that is greater than the winds and the waves, is in the boat with you. I know it may appear that he's sleeping. Sometimes I think that God actually wants us to question. It's like, God, are you listening? God, do you hear me? God, why are you silent? So that we would believe, we would exercise our faith. My God is fully alerted to my need. I trust him. Sure enough. The thing Jesus rebukes him for in that situation is oligopistos, little faith. You see, big faith, what would it have done? I've always laughed at what I, you know, my mental picture of what the disciples could have done or should have done in this situation. Could you imagine Peter going, hey guys, I know that our boat's filling up with water, but look at Jesus, he's sleeping. Let's sleep too. Could you imagine they all lay down to go to sleep in the midst of a storm? You see, I always picture Jesus with his eye sort of open, you know, like this. And then right when the disciples look, he goes and acts like he's sleeping. In other words, it's a trial. It's a test. It's a proving of these men. As we go through our trials, our tests of faith, 
Let's get the growl. Let's stand firm. Let's be resolute. Let's not be pushovers. Let's not be like waves of the sea tossed to and fro. Number eight, Peter tested by the natural laws of water and men walking upon it. I don't know if you've ever tried to walk on water, but it doesn't work. You see, it's impossible in the natural realm. And yet there's two people in scripture that have actually walked on water. Jesus walked on water and Peter actually walked on water. However, as he was walking, there's like a big wave. I always picture it like a Hawaiian surf wave cresting over him and the winds are gusting. We have the same thing. Jesus says, follow me. And yet right behind us or on the side of us, whatever, whatever angle best fits your mentality for it is a Hawaiian surf wave that's cresting over you. And God says, keep your focus here. And you're like, but God. And when you turn to consult the wave and the power of the wind, you begin to sink. The secret to navigating through this life and living out an impossible life and actually walking on water is to keep your gaze fixed on Jesus. Your faith needs to be fixed. You're being tested. You're being tried. Believe. Show the living God that you trust him in these moments. Number nine, John tested by the sight of the Messiah suffering, dying, and being buried. Jesus made it very clear that he was the Messiah. But could you imagine what this would be like, guys, to see this Messiah bruised, beaten, scourged, hung naked on a tree, and then breathe his last? The question that I feel like the Spirit of God wants to ask each of our souls is, how are you doing? Do you still believe I am God? Do you still believe that I am in control? You see, it sure does look like God was beaten. It looks like he was defeated. There are situations in your life where it could look like the enemy has the upper hand. Maybe the enemy's even more powerful. He's not. Your God is in control. Your job is to believe it. Your job is to take God at his word and to stand solid in this time. You need the growl of faith. 1 Peter 1, 7 that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. See, this is the great desire is that our faith would be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So how does that happen? Through the trial of faith. You see, though it be tried with fire, this is what actually is proving and purifying our faith. Praise God for it. So there's four key truths about faith. Faith, to be genuine, faith must have action. It must believe. So if faith is going to actually work, it must move. It can't just be a thought in the head like, yeah, I think God exists. It must live accordingly. It must have an action to it. Two, faith must have an object, a focal point in which to direct its confidence. So many of us put our confidence in things that are not God. Self is actually one of the number one locations that people place their faith. They can put it in their finances, in their investment, in their career. They can put it in their medicine. As long as I have that in my medicine cabinet and I have at least one more pill left, I have faith that I have confidence that I can live another day. You see, our confidence is supposed to swing away from those things and be placed squarely in Jesus Christ. And that's why Mary of Bethany is going to take that which she had faith in, her spikenard, her precious perfume, which was worth a year's wages, and she's going to dump it out on Jesus. She is going to say, my faith is being transferred from this into Jesus. We need to do the same. Number three, faith, if it be real faith, will not waver from its focal point. So not only does it have a focal point, have an object of faith known as Jesus and his work on the cross, but then it won't budge from it. And it doesn't matter what winds and waves start crashing against us. We will not move from that. And that's how faith functions. It does not waver. Number four, faith must be proven authentic and therefore it must be tested with fire. 
which is what we're talking about today. You see, we must have that object and we must hold firmly to that object and not move. But then we shouldn't be surprised when our faith is tested by winds, by rains. In other words, this is just how it works. So do not consider it strange, my brethren, when you face trials of many kinds, but actually allow those trials to strengthen you in your character, in your walk with Christ, specifically today as we're talking in your faith. So the two trees, remember I have that one tree on the right side, which is the boo tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the voice of the enemy. And then we have the tree of life, which we could also say is the cross. We could just call it Jesus, the word of God. It's truth, it's clarity in the midst of the garden, in the midst of our souls. So it's not just 6,000 years ago in a garden. It's also what we stand between right now, just like flesh and spirit. We have a voice within us that says, come on, Eric, you don't need to take this so seriously. Think about you. And we have another voice, the spirit of God speaking to us saying, let it all go. Give up your life. I purchased your body at the cross. Let me have you. Let me be your Lord. Let me be your master. Let me fill you. Could I be your master? Could you be my bond slave? Could we do this right? I created you for a purpose. You see, there's two voices and they're both at enmity. They're argumenting, argumenting. They're arguing with each other. They do not like each other. We need to choose which one we're going to side with. Where you choose on that front is going to define your eternity. And it's going to define your entire way that you live out your life here on earth. Romans 14, 23, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You see, our entire life is meant to flow out of this faith relationship with Jesus Christ. So everything we do, so what career we choose, who we marry, how we make our daily decisions, if I'm going to speak to that person and share Jesus with them. You see, every single moment of our day needs to be defined by Jesus. We are his, not our own. And so as a result, anything that is not of this faith relationship with Jesus is sin. It's a violation of the pattern to which we were constructed by God. So I have one of those pictures with the two trees on it again. So again, those of you that are getting this via podcast are missing some really good artwork here. And there's our guy. That's you. That's me. We're standing resolute with the growl of faith at the tree of life. And underneath it, it says, Jesus and him crucified. We're standing with that. On the other side, it's all of life's challenges. You see, what are you going to go with? When life's challenges hit you, oftentimes many of us just fall to pieces. Instead of standing resolute on the promises of God, on the work of Jesus Christ, on the efficacy, efficacy and the power of his shed blood, we need to have the growl. And so let all of, life, all of life's challenges come. Let them beckon. Let them holler our way and say, give up, Eric. Be discouraged, Eric. Forsake God, Eric. No is the answer. I know in whom I have believed and whom, in whom I trust. Jesus Christ, he is faithful and true. So how about in the midst of our marriages? On the right side of the screen, you know, the bad tree, I have selfishness. And on the, on the left side with the tree of life, I have selflessness. And there's, there we are standing resolute. We stand in selflessness. You have to make a conscious choice always. Any of you who are married, you know the bait to think selfishly. But you have to be a believer in Jesus and recognize that his Holy Spirit wants to empower you to be selfless in every circumstance, in every situation. I don't care if you start out wrong in a conversation. Immediately correct it. Get right back in the groove with the Holy Spirit and with God's purposes in your life. How about in the midst of our families? So on the bad side of the ledger, we have frustration. On the right, on the, well, it's on the left side of the screen, is patience. Which one are you going to choose? You're going to choose the patience that the Holy Spirit could bring, or are you going to choose the frustration that the flesh will bring? 
Well, I'm going to tell you, if you want to thrive in, in, in your family relationships, choose the patience. It's so much better. The kingdom of heaven wins every time, but you have to deliberately choose it. You ha- there will be trials. There will be fire. But you have to allow it to groom you and grow you. How about in the midst of our financial challenges? So on the, on the tree of life, or I'm sorry, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil side, you know, the bad fruit side, it says fear, anxiety, fretting, foreboding. And then on the other side, the side I want to encourage you towards, it says unshakable confidence. I don't care if you don't have any money in the bank. Who's in control of your life? Who's your Jehovah Jireh? Who's your provider? Let's remember that today. Let's keep our faith focus on Jesus Christ and his ability. So you can do the same thing in the midst of your health impediments, in the midst of danger, in the midst of our spiritual calling. We're always between those two, and we need to make a choice for Jesus, to trust Jesus in the midst of it. So here's, I'm going to give you a great quote filled, a great quote. It is a great quote. But I, in a, as I read this, let me get it straight here. The great quote of the faith-filled soul. Guys, I've used this so many times. This is a quote, I, and I could give you so many stories where I've whipped this out, where it seems like darkness is the upper hand. It looks like the enemy's winning. It looks like all is falling to pieces. And right then, God says, Eric, where do you stand? God, I stand with you. And this is what I say. And you can borrow my quote. It's a good quote. Watch what my God will do. Right now in the generation we are in, in the times in which we live, I'm saying this right in the middle of a rather dark time in history in America. And, you know, it could get darker, sure. But guess what? I believe my God is in control. I believe my God has not forgotten us. I believe that he's hearing my prayers. I've prayed the same prayers for many, 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 many months on end. And yet it seems like God isn't hearing. Where where are you, God? I believe he is there. And I believe he is hearing. And I believe he is going to act. I believe he is going to do. He's God. He is faithful and true. Watch what my God will do. Guys, I hope you've been encouraged by this meditation on faith. And I hope that you are strengthened to walk boldly for Jesus. You know, one of the greatest ways to strengthen this is to take a season of focus on Jesus. I don't ever want to arm twist for people to come to Ellerslie. I just think it's a great place. But if there's any way that God is stirring you in that direction... I would love to serve you in that way. I'd love for you to consider, at least prayerfully consider, a season out here to be trained. Our season, our training season is going to be starting in June and go through the end of November, and we're going to have two five-week trainings and a one-week in there. I'd love for you to prayerfully consider being a part of one of those. It'd be really fun to get to know you. God's blessings. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.